Gosh, didn't we just have that wedding? <laughs> well, today you've come to present your child for holy baptism. Baptism is a holy sacrament of the church given as a part of our Lord's charge to go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is a sacrament offered to infants and children in response to our Lord's statement, Let the little children come to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So Kevin and Hannah, by presenting your child, you accept and proclaim your goal in life as parents, separately and together, that your child will be raised in a home where Christ is worshipped and the Christian life is lived in word and deed. As part of the sacrament of baptism, I ask you these questions of faith. Do you, in presenting your child for holy baptism, confess your faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? If so, answer, I do. Do you accept as your duty and privilege to live before your child a life that becomes the gospel, to exercise all godly care that he be brought up in the Christian faith and that he learns by your example the nature and pattern of living as a Christian disciple? If so, answer, I do. And will you nurture him in Christ's holy church? so that he might learn of the love and support of the community of Christ in order that one day he'll accept God's grace for himself, profess his faith openly, and lead a Christian life. If so, answer, I will. The symbol of the presence of God is water, that which represents the giving and sustaining of life. Let's pause and ask for God's blessing upon this means. In the fullness of of time, eternal Father, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and the one who receives it, that he would be clothed in righteousness And throughout his life, he would come to know your love, grace, and mercy, and remain always a faithful part of your church eternal. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. And so I asked the parents the first and middle name of this child, because he now will take on the name of Christ as he becomes a part the family of God. So what do you name this child? Jackson Wesley, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit work within you, Jackson Wesley, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us in the baptismal prayer. Gracious Lord, today we have recognized and blessed Jackson Wesley Eggert as a member of your church eternal. We are sincere in our offering of thanksgiving for his life 
and promise with the help of your grace to each live according to the promises this day made. May we witness the abundance of your grace at work in his life and the lives of his parents, Kevin and Hannah. This is his prayer offered in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ and the Savior of the world. Amen. Now we offer our congregational covenants. Baptism is not just an act of a child's parents. It is an act of the community of faith, the body of Christ, the church. Today, you are that body of Christ in this place. You also represent the body of Christ in the world, and as much as on behalf of all those who bear the name Christian, would you all respond to this question? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? Please with, respond. With, with God's, God's help, help, we will, we will so order our, our lives after the example of Christ, Christ that Jackson Wesley, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established, established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to eternal. Amen. Our scripture comes from the 16th chapter of Romans. You've heard me say many times in my years of preaching here that God has used women in positions of leadership since the first century 
of the Christian church. This 16th chapter of Romans, especially if you read the entire chapter, and I encourage you to do that at some point on your own, is probably the greatest evidence of how many women were significant in the early church. So let me share these words and listen for those names of women as I share them. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Centrea, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from, for you, from you. For she has been a benefactor of many and myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, who work with me in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my love, Empanatus, who was the first convert in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who is, has worked very hard among you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives who were in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. We're thankful for the gift of Scripture. So happy Mother's Day and blessings upon all women who have come this day. The Spirit moved me some time ago that on this day I should lift up the importance of women for the work of God's kingdom here on earth. Recently I was speaking at a United Methodist Church down southeast of Indianapolis and I was sharing my vision of a fully inclusive United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana. And after giving my presentation, we had a question and answer period. And one gentleman sitting near the front questioned my use of scripture. He wasn't sure I was being faithful to it. And so I tried to explain to him that, that the church has always seen scripture as dynamic. That God didn't just stop revealing in the first century or in the time of Israel, that God continues to reveal. I shared the example of Acts chapter 15, where the early church had to decide that God was doing a new thing in their ministry to the Gentiles. And so they changed their expectations that, that all new converts would also have to follow the Jewish Torah dietary laws, or that men would have to be circumcised before they could become Christian. I shared the example of how you can find scriptures in the Bible that condone slavery. And then I mentioned that, and in the Bible, you can also find places that tell women they need to be silent in church. And we don't believe that anymore. And when I made that statement, the gentleman sitting in the front said, well, I do. <laughs> With his wife sitting right next to him. And I was kind of taken aback. So I said, well, sir, if it wasn't for female pastors, I wouldn't be here. It was a female pastor that led me to faith and a female pastor that inspired me to go into ministry. And then he simply responded, well, don't you think God would have eventually sent a man to do that job? Well, fortunately, I was bailed out. Somebody jumped in with another question, so I didn't have to go down that rabbit hole with that gentleman. But he points out a problem. I'm surprised we still have to have this argument. In the United Methodist Church, we've been fully ordaining women since 1956. And yet you can find churches, some of them are mega churches, not far from here, which still do not allow a woman to preach from the pulpit, that still do not allow women to teach men. 
So, and I'm not going to name those churches. I don't want to disparage any of the churches. But I do encourage you, if you ever do any church shopping, you stop and consider asking the pastor, how do you view women in leadership? It's an important question. It's important for our daughters so that they know that there's no role on this earth that they cannot do. It's important for our sons that they don't try to impose a hierarchy in their family that limits the giftedness of each person in that family. Even though some churches may seem modern in every other way, they have adopted a literal interpretation of a few scripture passages and they fail to appreciate the historical and cultural context in which some of those passages were written. And we need to take in the whole of Scripture for questions such as these. So let's look a little bit at that evidence in the Bible. Our passage today, if we'd read that whole chapter, you'd discover that Paul mentions nine women. Let's throw that list up there. Nine women in this list from that chapter that are leaders in his movement. He mentions 17 men. That means almost a third of them are women. Paul took the time to mention them at the end of what is considered his greatest theological work, the book of Romans, as he shared a letter to guide the churches that were in and surrounding the city of Rome. I find most interesting the mention of Prisca, which is also a short form of Priscilla. Sometimes you see Priscilla mentioned. we got a Priscilla circle in our church, as a matter of fact. And it's interesting that three times... Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned together as a couple. And two of the three times, Priscilla is mentioned first, which is highly unusual for the patriarchal society in which those scriptures are written. And when I read that, I I quickly had a couple come to my mind from my first charge at Mason New Ross. We had a couple there that were prominent leaders, and whenever people referred to them, they always said, Marcella in Denver. Now, Denver was a leader in his own right. He was the principal of the local elementary school. But he was kind of quiet, kind of shy. Marcella was the power person in that relationship. She was the power person in our church. She was the power person in the whole town. If anybody wanted something done or something organized, you got Marcella to be the chair of that committee or that team. Because she knew how to delegate, she knew how to set goals, and she would get it done. You just knew she'd get it done. And everybody was okay with that, including Denver. Because he loved and respected her as much as anyone. And he knew his role, and he played that role very, very well. So let's stop and, and, and take another journey. and Think about some of these prominent women. Just not this list in Romans 16. But think about some of the famous women that you probably have heard of, even if you're not that familiar with the Bible. I may have heard of Miriam, the sister of Moses. Now, she's known for her dance. After the people of Israel have been set free, but you may not realize how significant Miriam was. She was Moses' sister. Remember Moses was put in a basket, floated down the river, and picked up by Pharaoh's daughter? Who was the person that helped make sure that that baby was taken care of? It was Miriam, his sister, that went and made sure that he was raised well. It was she who would have nurtured his, his faith with the nation of Israel. It was she who made it possible to 
instill that devotion within him that held, it helped him to be open to that divine encounter and take the leadership to lead people, the people of Israel, out of bondage in Egypt. The bottom line is, no Miriam, no Moses. We have Deborah. Deborah is somebody you may or may not have heard of, but you might recall the period of the judges. When Israel came out of Egypt, were in the wilderness, and then they entered the land of Canaan, they weren't really a full nation. They were kind of a clan of tribes. They didn't have a king. But sometimes they'd have to unite together to fight off the enemies of the Canaanites that surrounded them. And that was called the period of the judges. The Bible names 12 judges. And would you know that one of them was a woman named Deborah. This scripture from Judges 4.9 alludes to the fact that she is the one who organizes the men to form the army that would fight the Canaanites. And when she finds her commander, he says, I will only lead if you go with us. Her leadership was critical to Israel at a critical time in their history. Or we could talk about Esther. There's a whole book in the Bible named after Esther. It's about the people of Israel who are taken into bondage, in exile, in Babylon, taken away a long ways from their home. And there they had to find a way to thrive, enslaved at first, and then relegated to uh, a lower part of that economy of Babylon. And Esther was taken into the harem of the king. And there arose an advisor to the king that tried to, to squash the Israelites, that wanted to have them totally wiped out. And she risked her life because no one that was in the harem had the right or privilege to go before the king unless summoned. And so she invited the people of Israel to fast, to enter a time of fasting, both of drink and of food, praying for her as she took that risk and pleaded for the people of Israel and saved many, many lives. We mentioned Priscilla or Prisca in Acts. She's mentioned as one of the teachers of Apollos, one of Paul's workers in the kingdom of God. We could mention Junia that we referred to in that list. She's named as one of the apostles, which is a very special privilege. Apostles required someone to have been present with the living Jesus when he walked this earth. We could talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And also, would you know that the first witnesses of the empty tomb, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, was women. Recorded in our scriptures, which is so Unusual. It's crazy because in, in Israel's laws, the testimony of women was not even allowed into a court of law. And yet God chose women to be the first witnesses of the resurrection. So take all that evidence. And then we got to come and deal with a few specific passages. One like this from 1 Timothy chapter 2, 11 through 14. Let me read it. Women, I warn you, it's kind of hard to hear, so if you want to cover your ears, you can. A wife should learn quietly with complete submission. I don't allow a wife to teach or to control her husband. Instead, she should be a quiet listener. Adam was formed first and then Eve. Adam was deceived, but rather his wife became the one who stepped over the line because she was completely deceived. But a wife will be brought safely through childbirth if they both continue in faith, love, and holiness, together with self-control. 
Now, men, if you ever quote that to your wife, shame on you. Because it's important that you put that into its historical context. And realize that Paul was speaking to a specific problem. We've got evidence that Paul was dealing with some heresies, some beliefs that were contrary to Christ in the city of Ephesus. And it seems as you follow the evidence that it seemed to be coming from women. Keep in mind that the local goddess of Ephesus is Artemis, and it was a female cult. For this is the god who was with women in childbirth. And so all that seems to share that Paul's advice was shared with a specific location about a specific problem at a point in time, and this was his best advice. We call this descriptive truth, not prescriptive truth that is universal and applies to all situations. So it's so important when you try to quote the scriptures, you try to be faithful to the scriptures, that you look at all the scriptures and you understand the historical context in which they're shared. When you compare that to Acts chapter 2, 17 and 18, that is quoting Joel 2:28. We have your sons and daughters and daughters will prophesy. We could turn to Galatians 3:28, where Paul shares what is the true heart of the gospel. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I've heard wonderful stories of you sharing about the female pastors you've had here. You shared how they've touched your lives. They've made differences in your lives. I've heard you talk about the Reverend Insuk Hong, about Corrine Boroff, Nancy Blevins, and now our own Pastor Jill Moffat. And the gifts they brought to the ministry of this church have been greatly valued. And now you're going to have another female pastor, and she's going to be your first lead female pastor. It's going to be a little bit of a change. And I've had a few people say to me, well, I'm just a little concerned because our appointed pastors are going to be all female, Pastor Jill and Pastor Nicole. Pastor Paul, I guess you're going to have to carry the torch for us. (laughs) Amen. And I've got just one thing to say about that. If we're worried about gender diversity, just stop and think of all the years you've had to put up with two men as your pastors. (laughs) No comments from the peanut gallery back here. (laughs) But you put up with Pastor Aaron and me. You put up with Pastor Jack and Pastor Aaron. You put up with Pastor Jack and... Pastor David before that, Pastor Jack and Pastor Jim before that. How many years have you dealt with just all-male leadership and somehow you survived without that diversity? And I feel for all women, how many years have you had to go to male doctors, sometimes for female issues, and somehow you survived that? I think us men will be all right because it's about your giftedness. And competency. And if you haven't gone to see the bio we have of Pastor Nicole, please go to our website. Listen to the video of her Mother's Day sermon, which is the best Mother's Day sermon I have ever, ever heard in my life. Puts this one to shame. And you'll know that she brings 
what we need at this point in time in history. She brings the youth, she brings intelligence, and I tell you, I've had three meaningful meetings with her, and she's just a great person. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be very blessed. So let's just make one last point before I quit. As Methodists, we believe in the Wesley Quadrilateral, which means we determine what is true based on primarily Scripture, but we also take into account tradition, reason, and experience. I want us just to use our heads for just a little bit here. Why on God's earth would God want to limit by 50% the giftedness that's available to bring the kingdom of God here on earth? That makes no sense to me. Men as much as women don't need to be put in a box. We all have our strengths and weaknesses and our spiritual gifts So let's set God free to call each of us to the roles that fit our created capacities. Let's aspire to Paul's words from Galatians 3, 26 to 28. Would you recite them with me? I just think they're powerful. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. This time, let's hear about a new program we have going at our church. Hi, Pastor Jill coming to you from our new Noblesville First Moms group. Hospitality person Pam Kaplinger and I have started a mom's group for moms of small children. So we hope it will be an environment and a safe space for moms to come to have some coffee, some food, adult conversation. Kids are welcome to attend and our hope is just to have a good conversation around the hardships of mom life, um, to vent about challenges and to share uh, prayer concerns, to share our hopes and joys of parenting, as well as just to have a place to talk about whatever life is throwing our way, whether it's what we're watching on TV to what we're having for dinner that week or upcoming plans for spring or summer, or even just sharing what's happening in our lives as far as our our kids and the ways that we can come together as moms. Especially after COVID-19, we know that a lot of moms are feeling isolated and frustrated and are needing a place to connect. And so our hope is that we will provide that safe space for any mom to come and just be themselves and be together. Mom life is hard, but so is grandma life. (laughs) And I've experienced that here at Nevelsville First Moms Club with my granddaughter, Arista, who loves to play. We would love to have you here. I am happy that I can be a part of this group and my daughter can come with her with my granddaughters thank you <laughs> so we hope that you will join us 9 15 on wednesday mornings in wesley hall come for food fun fellowship conversation just to get a break if you need to and in the summer we'll be offering once a month meetups at local parks and you can find more information on our noblesville church facebook page we have a noblesville first moms group that you can join as well as an email list. So contact me at the office, jmoffittnoblesofirst.com, 
or Pam Kaplinger, pkaplinger at noblesofirst.com for more information. So we look forward to seeing you very soon and we really thank you for all your support for our new moms group here at Noblesville First. announcements to bring to your attention. Uh, all women, please take a gift from Teeter to retreat and farm. We have a flower plant for you. At least, I don't know if we got enough, but first come, first serve, I guess, today. But also take a, we got a photo op opportunity. You can take pictures as a family, so please take advantage of that as well. Uh, it's not too late. We had a great day yesterday. Matter of fact, the biggest day we've ever had at the Teeter plant sale. But there's still a number of plants left, so if you want to head out there, it'll be open until 2 o'clock today. Help support the food security mission out of Teeter and find some beautiful plants for your home. Another program that we've got for families, uh, Pop In and Play is going to be established using our great playground on Wednesdays from 10 a.m. To, to noon, beginning June 1st. So pop in whenever you want, and you can find more information at the noblesoffirst.com webpage. This is a big week out at Teeter. We are having our community field planting days Thursday through Saturday from 10 to 2. In addition, we also have to get prepared the worship area. We hope to utilize that on May 22nd when we have our combined worship service with Bethel AME. And the mulch, if you've been out there, you know it's gotten kind of soft. The mulch has turned kind of into soil. And so we need to remove all of that and bring in new mulch. So we need all hands on deck. So if you can help, use the connection card response on the back and share what day you might be available. We'll contact you and figure out where to, when and where to form teams so we can get that work done. The other announcements you can find in your bulletin. Uh, oh, don't forget that we have a foraging hike on Saturday, May 14th at 2 p.m. as well. There's a cost for that. Please check out the details there. You'll find the next steps is available on our website through Nobzo First app. You can find what's happening in the next week and what's upcoming down the road through that. If you're visiting for the first time, please see our hospitality center afterwards. We have a free gift for you and some information about the church's ministries. So as we enter into our offering time today, please note that you can share financial gifts here. If you're watching online, please uh, use the online option on our website, or you can use the noblesofirst uh, app, and uh, all those ways we continue to fund the important ministries that we've talked about today and others. This time, let us pause and ask for God's blessings upon the tithes and the offerings we share at this time. Holy God, you work wonders beyond our imagination. Thank you for all the faithful people you've inspired in the history of the church. You've sent into our lives kind Christians who have encouraged us in beautiful ways. Help us to keep growing as disciples led by your spirit. May we become more devoted to good works and acts of charity so that others will be blessed in turn. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning. And Deb and Don, anytime you want to play that rendition of Amazing Grace, please come back. <laughs> amen. Amen. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. This morning, we would like to also share some concerns and other ideas with you today. We ask that you please pray for Judy Jenkins, who was recently hospitalized for blood clots and is now continuing her recovery at home. We also like to extend our sincerest condolences and keep Gail Sherwood and her family and friends in prayer at the passing of her husband, Terry, on May the 1st. A service will be held for Terry at a later date. We also celebrate and wish an abundance of the fruit of the Spirit to be poured over all expressions of motherly love today, both in giving and receiving. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Happy Mother's Day. Please join me in a call to prayer. God of the ages and God of today, you walk with us as our shepherd. You restore our souls. You are compassion. Our cup overflows. You are hope. You lead us into green pastures. You are truth. You lead us beside quiet streams. Turn to you with our hopes and concerns in these uncertain times. Draw near to us and to all those for whom we pray, so that your love and healing touch will be known in all our lives. Amen. Now please join us for a moment of silent prayer and take to God what's on your heart this morning.
And then I'll follow with a pastoral prayer, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Gracious Father, mighty Lord Jesus, and most Holy Spirit, today and every day, Father, we seek you because you are love. Love is like no other feeling in our lives. Without receiving your love, Lord, we are empty and lost. But with love, our tears disappear and we find hope and strength. We pray today, God, that your divine presence enters the hearts of all people and to not let go. Show them your power through most Holy Spirit. Conquer evil as you have conquered death, Jesus, for the glory of God. Share with us the peace and freedom and the fruit of the Spirit we can find in our lives because of your grace. We gratefully worship you on this blessed Mother's Day, and we thank you for the Lord's Prayer that we humbly say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
May God help us let go of our structures, our human hierarchies, and trust that God can call whom God wills. Let us let that spirit be free to move into our world through all people. Amen.